When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kirk Herbstreit yesterday brought us more bars than your favorite college town, talking about what the college football playoff committee should do when it comes to deciding on that final four on selection Sunday, which is just a few days away now. What are they going to do? What did he say they should do? Well, we'll talk about it here because we we 100% agree with Kirk Herbstreit, as is typically par for the course when the go opens his mouth. Welcome into the hard count. This is the People's College Football Show, college football every single day of the year. They're playing games. We're talking ball. They're, they're not playing games. We're still talking ball right here on this very platform, Beyond 3 YouTube channel. It is November 30th, 2023, last one in history. Going to make it a great one, as we always do on our Thursday shows. It is Final Thought Thursday. Going to give you our takes for all these conference championship games and some things we got to get off our chest here before they start playing games here this upcoming Friday night with Oregon and Washington in the Pac-12 title game in Las Vegas, Nevada. Also, I don't know if y'all been keeping track on the social channels, what's been going on when it comes to these names popping up as intends to transfer or guys that have already entered the transfer portal. Riley Leonard made some noise yesterday when he decided to jump in there, and there's a couple of teams that are kind of sounding like the front runner for him right now when it comes to that whole discussion. So we'll talk about that and where we think maybe he could end up and maybe a little, uh, little dark horse action too for who could be in the Riley Leonard sweepstakes. Also, just some portal talk in general. Like we said, the portal is going crazy right now. If you tuned into our live show yesterday, there were several instances where Nick Brake, who's producing the show right now, jumps on the mic and says, hey, insert player name here, just jumped in the portal. So we'll see if we get any of that action today on, on, uh, on this show, but I'm just saying uh, head on a swivel season is officially here with the transfer portal set to open up officially this upcoming Monday. Again, we will have a live show for you. Myself and Andy Staples right here at the desk talking all things College football Black Friday. That is the transfer portal. So make sure to dial in here so you don't miss a minute of it. We appreciate y'all being tuned in as you are right now. Uh, also, Deion Sanders. There's some, uh, some buzz going on right now in Boulder, Colorado. And not in the best sense with what you had going on when they were 3-0. Now there's some buzz around, well, hey, what's going on? How can they right the ship? We'll talk about maybe the path forward. Also, before we go forward, we got to unpack what's going on currently in Boulder. So we'll give you our thoughts there and uh, unpack that situation as a whole. Before we do that, like I said, we got to talk about Kirk Herbstreit and what he said yesterday on the Pardon My Take podcast, which is hysterical. So go check that out if you haven't already. But we're going to talk about the Kirk Herbstreit stuff right now. Before we get to that, though, two things. One, make sure you subscribe right here. Ton to talk about going forward. We got the college football playoff rankings about to be released on Sunday. We'll have a reaction for you live as well when that goes down. So another reason to be dialed in. Also, follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at JD Paquel on both those platforms. Those are great spots for us to interact with y'all and involve you into the show as much as possible. And whether it's us putting out a tweet and asking a question that we want to include y'all's take into the show, whether it's a question and answer period on, on a Friday afternoon, whatever it is, those are both great spots for us to interact. Also, a great way for us to get y'all some other content on those platforms that we don't do necessarily on this YouTube channel. So, got a great day lined up, got a great show lined up, about to attack it in full force. The final, final thought Thursday of this full college football slate that is conference title weekend. Let's get right to it. Kirk Herbstreit brought some juice yesterday on the Pardon My Take podcast when they were talking about who should be, you know, who, what should your committee do when it comes to these four teams for the college football playoff? Because there's this thought out there that, well, hey, if Florida State is playing without Jordan Travis, yes, they might be undefeated, but are they one of the best teams? And that's an interesting conversation going on right now, I think, across the college football landscape. So I was curious to hear his thoughts on this. And before we get to his thoughts on this, I want us to unpack what the college football playoff committee is supposed to do based on their protocol. You can read their mission statement, and there's a couple of things that jump out to you. And the first of which being, it is an art, not a science. College football playoffs committee's words, not mine. Meaning, there is no formula. There is no exact laid out blueprint. There is a number of priorities for them when it comes to resume, eye tests, head-to-head, things we've discussed on this channel before, but they need to select, their words again, not mine, the four best teams. 
And going back to what Kirk Herbstreit said, that is exactly what he was getting at when he answered that question as to what they should do. Now, best team is not always the same as right thing. And that was sort of the discussion that we're having. Because the right thing you would imagine is if Florida State ends up going undefeated, the right thing would be to put them in the college football playoff by nature of them being undefeated. And Kirk Herbstreit said, well, I don't, I'm not here for the right thing. I'm here for the best teams. He's like, I call, I call all these games. I want to see the best teams playing in the college football playoff. And so what I think a lot of people are going to say is, whoa, 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 whoa. So you're saying that an undefeated Florida State team shouldn't be in Kirk Herbstreit? No, that's not what he was saying. What he's saying is the best teams, the four best teams, should be in the playoff. Exactly what the college football playoff committee is supposed to do. So what I think we need to distinguish here is team is not the same as roster. Like best team versus best roster, not the same thing. Ohio State may have one of the best rosters in the country. Doesn't mean they should be included in the college football playoff if they don't have the cards fall their way this upcoming Saturday and find their way in. Not about best roster. It's about best team. And I think team also requires you to pass multiple difficult tests throughout the course of a season. Like team to me, again, is not just made up of players. It's about culture. It's about response mechanism. It's about your your staff being able to will your team past that difficult test. And if Florida State is able to, on Saturday night, beat Louisville without Jordan Travis in the lineup and have Tate Rodemaker playing quarterback for them, I think that would qualify them as one of the best teams. Yes, because of their record and what that indicates, but also because of what their team, again, has had to do. Because teams, not roster, are what win football games. If it was about roster, well, then Alabama might win the college football playoff every year. It'd be Alabama-Georgia pretty much every season. You'd have Ohio State baked in there. Like, it's not about roster. It's about team. And so I think that's kind of the same lens we need to use for the entirety of this conversation when it comes to Selection Sunday. Because if, if Florida State does beat Louisville, what are we going to say? We're not going to talk about a specific player quite as much as we talk about, well, hey, good for that Florida State team finding a way to win. Hey, good for Mike Novell motivating and getting his team ready to play in that game. Again, team, team, team is the thing you're going to hear a lot said right now. So I think that same thing, that same filter is true for the rest of these college football playoff contenders when we get to Selection Sunday. Like, can Texas be the team, not the roster, can they finish through the line here and win the Big 12 like Vegas expects them to against Oklahoma State between Georgia and Alabama? Two pretty evenly matched rosters in a lot of ways. I know there's different things you probably give a favor to when it comes to maybe Carson Beck's a better passing quarterback than Jalen Milrow. Maybe that secondary for Alabama's got more first-round NFL draft picks at this point in time for next season. All that's to say, rosters pretty equal for the most part. So the team, which one is able to meet that moment and play their best football on that day? That's what it's about now. When it comes to Washington and, and Oregon, I mean, that Washington team, that team, again, is the key word there, They're going to have to get up and play and find a way to beat a top 10 Oregon team, not once, but twice now. Very difficult to beat a team twice. And if Washington can do it, you don't credit the roster, you credit the team. Same thing for Oregon here. If they can evolve enough from that game in Seattle and do what Vegas expects them to do and beat Washington by double digits, you tip your hat to that team. So what I want to make sure we say here is I don't think we're in a position to where the chips would fall in a certain way. And we would be on the outside looking in and saying, well, hey, the wrong teams are being discussed here. Like, I think all these teams, should they check the box, then we go to the rest of the college football playoff criteria. Go to resume, go to eye test. And at the end of the day, like, that's why we have the committee. So what I'm saying is I'm okay with all these teams that are being considered. I don't think we'll be in a position if Florida State ends up beating Louisville to where the wrong teams get in the top four. Okay, so what I think would happen if it were me and I tweeted this out last night. The more I thought about it, the more I feel this way. I feel like Oregon controls their own college football playoff destiny. We had some scenarios on this show yesterday, and we kind of went back and forth about the eye test. And the more that I thought about it, I think Oregon, if they beat the number three team in the country, and the committee keeps telling us they are the best one-loss team to this point, I don't see how you would drop them back. And the committee has to decide what they want to do with Alabama and Texas. Because Alabama probably has the resume, At this point in time, most recently, if you wanted to lean a certain way, you probably lean Alabama with the nature of the competition they've played. But then you go to the head-to-head, and it's like, hey, Texas has that mic drop in Tuscaloosa by 10 points in Week 2. That has to matter. And so I don't envy the college football playoff committee. Kirk Herbstreit said this in that interview. He's like, whatever they do, they're wrong. If we get that doomsday scenario with those three one-loss conference champs of Oregon, Texas, and Alabama. But I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. 
Kirk Herbstreit's not saying Florida State shouldn't be in. He's saying give us the four best teams. And I think if Tate Rodemaker and Florida State find a way to win the ACC, they are one of the best teams, one of the four best teams in the country. Because the record, yeah, sure, that's a big part of it. You have to honor the conference championship label. But for the team to be able to pass that kind of difficult test in that kind of spot and stay undefeated the last two games with the weight of the world on their shoulders, they're one of the four best teams. So that's how we feel about that. Again, Kirk Herbstreit just... Just bringing bars left and right there with that whole conversation. I want us to kind of iron out that whole thought because he wasn't saying Florida State should be left out. He's saying, I want the four best teams. Same thing we're saying on this very show. We want the four best teams. So that's how we feel about that whole conversation. That's how we feel about where we stand there. Hey, thanks for everyone tuned in live, man. It's a big Thursday. It's a very big Thursday. Last, last Thursday of the week, as we say around here, best Thursday of the week. Um, you got a lot going on. We usually say this at the top of every show. You have a lot on your plate, whether it's school, whether it's work, whether you're filling out expense reports, whether you're studying for finals. Like We just appreciate y'all being a part of this. A lot of Spotify wrapped is going on right now. Spotify wrapped season is upon us. Uh, if we were in your Spotify wrapped, get at us on Twitter, get at us on Instagram and let us know. We appreciate y'all being a part of this, man. Been a lot of fun to see those. Um, a big part of this show as well, been one of, the, uh, one of the backbones, if you will, bringing you the hard count, is our friends at Prize Picks. Prize picks, for those of y'all that have stayed up here, daily fantasy, easy withdrawal, kind of enhances your viewing experience from a game-to-game basis. Now, a lot of y'all understand, not everybody's playing this weekend. If you're an LSU fan or an Auburn fan, they're not taking the field this weekend. And that's not like you can't still enjoy this college football Saturday, but you want to enjoy it just a little bit more? Get a little prize picks going, play some squares, flex play, power play, doesn't matter. Redeem code JD, $100 deposit match so sorry i'll I'll rephrase that 100 deposit match up to 100 so you put 100 down price pick says bada bing bada boom 100 free play will match you with that let's ride let's have a good time again redeem code jd at sign up so i said this on our tuesday show we're ice cold ice cold haven't hit a price pick play in a minute need it need it like a bad habit so you can either fade us here which is what I think probably our, our record would indicate you should do. Or you can say, you know what, foxhole guy, I'm locking arms with my boys. Let's get in the bunker. We're due. Let's find a way. So, I don't know, shoot or shoot. We're going to keep shooting right now this weekend. Our flex play, meaning we do not have to hit all three of these, is Quinn Ewers and Jalen Milrow. Combined passing yards, they're at 485 and a half passing yards. That feels pretty high to me. I don't know if Jalen Milrow will be asked to throw the football downfield quite as much against this Georgia defense. And I don't know if Quinn Ewers is going to have to throw the ball downfield a lot against Oklahoma State. I think they'll do it, but I think Texas is going to roll. So we'll take the less there. 48, or excuse me, 485 and a half passing yards, taking the less there. You know, it's a bit, we've been a big more show this year. We're going to go ahead and take the less, kind of a self-fade, if you will. Now, seven and a half kicking points for Camden Lewis. So if he kicks a field goal, Three kicking points, kicks an extra point. That's one kicking point. Prize picks is setting this this number here, this total, at seven and a half. I think Oregon's going to score a lot of points. I mean, if we get two field goals and two extra points there, we're already hitting the more. So we'll take the more there. We like the more. In that same game, again, a little Friday night special, so get after this right now. Dylan Johnson, 82 and a half rush yards. We've been a big more show all season long. I've told you all, we want to see good things happen to good people. But the reality is, good things happen to good people includes us as an audience and us on this show. We want good things to happen to us as well. And the more has not been good to us. We're taking the less on Dylan Johnson, 82 and a half rushing yards. So we're going to flex play all three of those. To recap it, Quinn Ewers, Jalen Milrow, combined passing yards, 485 and a half. Good day for both cats at the office. I expect it, but we'll hit the less there. Camden Lewis. Seven and a half kicking points. We're taking the more there. Dylan Johnson running back for Washington. I think they're going to have to throw the ball quite a bit against this Oregon defense. And I think that front seven of Oregon is just ferocious. So we'll take the less there on the 82 and a half rush yards. Going to flex play it. Again, in, in a flex play, we just need two out of three of these to hit for us to get some money. If all three hit, we make a little bit over our entry. If two out of three hit, we get 1.25 our entry. Now you can power play it if you want, but that's go big or go home. All or nothing kind of uh, kind of way to play there with prize picks. So again, redeem code JD, 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. We appreciate prize picks. We appreciate y'all. Hey, let's have a day. Let's get after it now. Let's have a conference championship weekend. One individual 
who is not playing this conference championship weekend, but who generated a ton of buzz yesterday by entering the transfer portal, is none other than former Duke quarterback now, Riley Leonard. And Riley Leonard, I said it yesterday on a little uh, short-form video. Again, another reason to be following on socials, at Jody Pakel, Twitter, Instagram. Put it on TikTok even, at Jody Pakel across the board there. I think there's three potential teams to watch here. And those three teams, both of which I think have been mentioned the most, we'll get to it here in just a second. I want to make sure we say this. Whoever lands Riley Leonard is landing a first-round caliber NFL quarterback. Like, he's someone who you drop on the roster and immediately probably look at that win total a little bit differently. That's how good he is. I mean, we've seen how dynamic of an athlete he is. There's footage of him in high school doing like crazy windmill dunks. Dude's a freakish athlete. Also has a hose for an arm. So that's kind of where we stand right now. The school that gets the most buzz around him right now and probably feels the most confident is Notre Dame. And this makes a ton of sense. There's a proof of concept last year with Sam Hartman transferring from Wake Forest, playing in that pro-style offense. You would imagine he helped his NFL draft stock. You've seen a quarterback be plugged in there, have success. If I'm Riley Leonard, I'm saying, yeah, I, I like the way that looks personally. Now, what I just said, playing in a pro-style offense, the importance of that statement cannot be overemphasized. Like, the fact that he could be in a system that an NFL team can say, well, we run that same kind of thing, come and play for us. One, it helps probably your draft stock, like I said. Two, it probably helps the transition for Riley Leonard when he does go to the NFL. So we have to imagine that's attractive. Also, this is kind of a cherry on top. Uh, another academic institution in Notre Dame. So probably not a, not a ton of extensions coming your way when it comes to being able to uh, you know get some more time on that assignment after a big win. Unfortunate. But, I mean, the dude reads, all right? Big brain guy. You would have to imagine that would be a, a nice little added bonus for Riley Leonard. Now, what it means for Notre Dame, if they were to land Riley Leonard, this is Marcus Freeman, once again, pushing the envelope, doing what is true to his mantra within his football team and saying we're going to challenge everything. You could go back to your depth chart and say, okay, we want to develop some guys, got some young, young talent in that quarterback room, maybe we go with them. He's saying, no, 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 go on proven commodity. We want to win right now. That is the standard at Notre Dame. We're going to find a way to get that done. We're not settling at the quarterback position. So I think you got to credit Marcus Freeman a ton if that's the way they end up going with a Riley Leonard. Now, Auburn is the other school that gets mentioned a lot for him right now. Riley Leonard is from the state of Alabama. He grew up or rather played high school football about four or so hours drive time from Auburn in Fairhope, Alabama. And the thing here is Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze, their offense in itself, I think, plays pretty well to his strengths. Kind of a dual threat RPO guy can, can hurt you with his legs, which he would be able to do in that Auburn offense. He has a better arm than what Peyton Thorne brought to the table a season ago. Um, he'd be able to get into spring football and be able to probably get a better gauge for the system than Peyton Thorne had last year after missing spring football. So there's that. Again, I'm assuming that'd be the case with him already being in the portal right now. Um, they also have a really strong record of developing quarterbacks. Does Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze? I mean, Philip Montgomery worked with guys like RG3, Case Keenum. And you have to think, too, the filter of playing in the SEC for Riley Leonard would have to help his draft stock. No, you're not playing in the same pro style system that Notre Dame is, but if you play against the best of the best every single Saturday and let NFL scouts see that, I think at that point, your resume and your tape should speak for itself. So you would have to think that's attractive. So those are the top two getting the most buzz for a one Riley Leonard. There's one more school that I want to make sure we talk about here that has to be attractive, has to at least be in the conversation just a little bit, and that's Texas A&M. And A&M, yes, they're set at quarterback with Connor Wegman. Okay, I understand that. I'm not saying that you, you know, just totally kick to the curb the idea of building on what Connor Wegman's done to this point at AM. But if you're Mike Elko and you bring in a guy like Riley Leonard, there's continuity there between the two of them. Same thing is true with what I just said about Auburn with playing in the SEC. And if you elevate AM in Mike Elko's first year, you have to imagine that probably holds some weight to it for, for Riley Leonard with what it means about him being a winner and what that could mean for an NFL team. Also, I think when you talk about, you know, weapons between Auburn, Notre Dame, and A&M, I think A&M may have the most weapons out of that group for the time being. We'll see what happens after the portal cycle if they add more from Auburn or Notre Dame or what happens with A&M. But I'm just saying, like, I think that would have to be a little bit attractive. So A&M's probably the dark horse in this whole thing, if we're being honest. But again, Notre Dame and Auburn per Pete Nakos 
is uh, is being thrown around the most when it comes to the Riley Leonard sweepstakes. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll obviously have uh, more to talk about when he does commit, whether it's one of those schools or some other wild card that comes out of nowhere. But Riley Leonard is this portal cycle's Sam Hartman in terms of his impact and what he could mean for a number of different schools. Heck, he could end up being the successor to a one Sam Hartman in Notre Dame. So we'll keep an eye on that. And uh, that thing is going to be very, very interesting to watch because it'll have a massive impact for one of those teams, without question. All right, moving right along here. If everyone who's watching right now could do two things. One, subscribe to the channel. The majority of our audience that watches this show, according to our analytics, is actually not subscribed. So we're just going to ask. It's, it's that time of year. We're getting close to the season of giving. If you want to kind of get a part of this community, and give to this community one subscription, which is free, doesn't cost you anything, we would appreciate that tremendously. So thank you in advance for that. Also, second thing, if you could like the video. All we're going to ask, those two things, totally free, takes all of like 30 seconds to do both. We appreciate you for that. All right, now, let's talk about what's going on in, uh, in Boulder, Colorado. Because I think Deion Sanders is still the most fascinating man in college football, regardless of what that final record says. But it's been uh, an interesting last couple of months with what's going on there. Started out hot, 3-0, got college game day coming to Boulder, Colorado, finished the season 4-8. So the question obviously now is where do we go from here? How do we right this ship? They have 10 commitments right now in the class of 2024. They lost three commitments in the span of like the last week and a half, two weeks. Okay, it, it, it was a quick couple of decommitments, a couple of quarterbacks that decided they no longer wanted to take their talents to Boulder, Colorado. So this isn't great to have, obviously, losing guys that, that were going to go play for your football team that were high-profile guys for the most part. I think we just got to take an overall, all-encompassing look at what's going on right now in Boulder. First things first, make sure to subscribe to the On3 YouTube channel. College football, only college football, every single day. We appreciate y'all for that. So what I want to say about the 2023 campaign for Coach Prime and Company, in a lot of ways, it was a, it was a success. And the, the bar was set pretty low from the year before. They won one game. This year, they won four. And you became relevant nationally. You were the hottest story in sports, not just college football for a long period of time. Like, everyone was talking about Dion, and we're all watching Colorado, Colorado State, like, one in the morning. Like, it was, it legitimately was iconic in a lot of ways. And then the losses started to happen. Because I don't have a problem with four and eight. If you told me at the beginning of the year, hey, Coach Prime and company, they're going four and eight. I would have said, okay, that's actually exactly what we predicted them to go. We thought they'd be four and eight. But the unfortunate part of this is it was the one kind of four and eight that you couldn't have happen. Like after the three and zero start, to then go one and eight from that point forward, losing like your last six or so in a row. The optics of that is what really is difficult right now because when it comes to recruiting, so much of what you do is selling snapshots. To people like hey this is what we are right now come be a part of this help us build on that and that snapshot early in the year was phenomenal but the snapshot you ended with in boulder colorado is concerning and going back to what i said about optics when it comes to acquiring talent optics is a big part of that and whether it's true or not whether it's fair or not the optics at boulder colorado right now under coach prime is dysfunctional and there's a couple of things to look at here like your quarterback getting sacked over 50 times Screams dysfunction. Screams are not going the right place with the football. Screams we don't have the guys we need on the line of scrimmage. That's obvious. Also, your demoted offensive coordinator, the individual that you believe wasn't the right guy calling plays after your offense was actually really successful, just took a head coaching job. So under Deion Sanders, they say, hey, he's not fit to be our OC. Another school comes in and says, well, he's good enough to be our head coach. Not a great look. Not a great look. And the cherry on top of all of that, like there have been reports now about lacking coverage with insurance for some of these players. Again, screaming dysfunction. And dysfunction is like recruit repellent. It makes people nervous. Like that's kind of where we stand right now with Colorado. The whole thought around this year, the whole thing that they built up from that 3-0 start was some trust, some rapport that, hey, this thing is headed a certain direction under Deion Sanders. Hey, you're going to come here and have a ton of national attention. We're going to win football games. And they still might do that. Again, they won more football games than they did a season ago. In a lot of ways, you can call this year a success, but the optics you're left with after this season make it a thing where, yes, you covered some ground, but I still think you're at square one if you're Coach Prime and Company. Because the plan was, hey, win a lot, 
win enough, rather make a bowl game, be able to have something you can put forward from an optics perspective and a snapshot perspective to these recruits. And then, yes, we still go to the portal to kind of keep this whole thing rolling how we want it to go. But really, we lean a little bit more heavily this upcoming season on some high school talent, being able to get some young guys from the high school level to help us and build it a little bit more organically that way. Okay, I'm just going to say this. There's a reason now why Alabama and Georgia and Michigan, like, yes, Michigan went to the portal a little bit more this past offseason, but for the most part, like, those are teams that build at the high school level. You don't have to go and add in the portal what you can develop in the backyard, okay? And that's kind of what they have in-house with those teams. So I think that's what Colorado was striving to do. And unfortunately, with the optics now and where you stand on the recruiting trail, you're going to have to go back to the transfer portal. And it's not going to be the total overhaul that it was last year, but you still have to, I believe, lean pretty heavily on a lot of those players. Now, the obstacle with that is, one, is there space on your roster to do that? And two, are you going to be able to get the guys through the portal able to play right away? Because we've seen the NCAA now. You can't necessarily trust the NCAA to be the... uh, the definition of common sense, the whole Tez Walker thing should be a pretty direct implication of that. I don't know if all the guys you get through the portal will be able to play right away based on all the stuff they're doing right now to crack down on that whole multiple-time transfer rule and the one-time transfer rule. So all that's to say, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult to reshape your roster this offseason if you're Coach Prime and Company the way that you need to, okay? But I want to make sure we, we, we said all these things about Deion Sanders and the way that it's looking right now and what's been tough about it. That's all true. We're not backing off of that. Yes, they became more relevant. The optics are bad right now. Screams dysfunction. But here's the one thing we got to make sure we take into account. Deion Sanders is not your average college football coach. Colorado is not your average college football team. On top of that, they're not covered like the average college football team when it comes to their, their attention and their exposure. Anything Colorado does, the impact of that, the ripple effect, can be 10x. You don't believe me? They got, they got college game day there when they're playing a group of five team. Okay, they got Colorado State, Colorado. It's a rivalry game, sure, but they were 3-0. and You got college game day in town. Okay, that doesn't really happen. It's not a thing that college game day makes a, a habit of doing. So I'm just saying, for all the negative things we're talking about with Deion Sanders in Colorado, if they're able to recreate some of that magic... If you're able to get a little bit better optically, provide a little more structure, that thing is going to churn at a quicker rate from a success standpoint than it would somewhere else. Like it is easier with Deion Sanders to be your head coach to get more out of a win on the recruiting trail and on the exposure and just overall like branding than it would be at another place that's in the same spot as Colorado with a different head coach who doesn't have the star power and charisma of a Deion Sanders. They're going to do their YouTube channel. They're going to be out in front of the mic. They're going to kill it on social media. They're going to kill it on all the hype videos, all the promos. Like They will crush it on that aspect. If they get something on the field to push that way, I'm just saying, don't don't leave Colorado for dead. Do not leave Colorado for dead. And for Deion Sanders, again, I would not bet against him when it comes to acquiring talent. Is it still a little bit more of an uphill battle than you would like? Probably so. Yeah, probably a true statement. But the effort to right the ship here it is not a not a losing game if you're Deion Sanders. So keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on what's going on in Boulder, Colorado. When this portal opens up on December 4th, there's going to be a lot to talk about. I expect Colorado to be in the mix. Also, National Signing Day. We'll have a live show as well. Josh Newberg, myself, Chad Simmons. Like We'll, we'll talk a lot about these teams making moves on Signing Day. Would not surprise me in the slightest if Deion Sanders and company are a, uh, are a mover and a shaker when it comes to National Signing Day and what's going on there. All righty. You know what? I wanted to go to our Portal Magnus segment, uh, but we're going to push that a little bit further back to keep an eye on all the things going on without, you know, throughout the portal right now, and uh, we'll make sure we have that as, uh, as updated as possible for you all when we get to that. Uh, so we call it Final Thoughts. I suppose it is our final thought on the weekend that's about to happen. But we have one more segment after this. So we'll keep on rolling here. And uh, hey, appreciate y'all for over 100 likes. Big time. Answering in elite fashion. We appreciate that. Okie doke. So we do it every single Thursday here on this live show, on the Hard Count, on the On3 YouTube channel. Our final thoughts for this upcoming weekend. Man, we got some great games. Got a lot of great games. Got the SEC Championship. You got 
the Pac-12 championship on Friday. I mean, the, the ACC championship should have some entertainment value by nature of what that line looks like right now. I believe it was two and a half last we checked. What are some of the final thoughts we have for this upcoming weekend? We'll talk about it in a second. First things first, though, make sure you subscribe right here. We're going to be at Georgia, Alabama. We will have content for you from the field after the game. If they let us on the field. If not, we'll have content on the f- content in the stadium after the game. Myself, Andy Staples, both going to be there. Make sure you're subscribed. For all the behind-the-scenes content, for our thoughts in-game, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram, at JD Pacell. We appreciate y'all so much for that. All right, so let's keep on rolling here. When it comes to the SEC title game, what are some of our thoughts there? For Georgia, I just want to make sure we say this. If Georgia wins the football game, and Carson Beck goes for 300-plus, three touchdowns, he deserves to be in New York City for the Heisman. Now, does he win it? Whole other conversation. But this is going to be the best defense and secondary that he's played against. And make no mistake about it, for Georgia to win this football game, they will have to throw the football. They will have to be two-dimensional. And so if he goes out there and delivers in the fashion that he's delivered to this point in the season, at that point, we got to put some real respect on Carson Beck's name. We've been talking great about him on this show for a minute now, but it feels like by nature of all the five stars he's surrounded by and the fact that he doesn't do it in the same kind of flashy way with you know throwing back across his body and making you know no-look passes like Patrick Mahomes, for some reason we kind of discredit Carson Beck. Dude just steps out there and is productive every single Saturday. So if they do it in the SEC title game against a defense in a secondary like Alabama, he deserves some real Heisman juice, and we are going to scream about it on this show. Again, should he win it? I think Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix probably lead that conversation, but I'll tell you what, Carson Beck will be in my top three if they end up doing what I think they're capable of doing in Atlanta. Now on the other sideline, you got Alabama. And there's so much talk around Jalen Milrow, and deservedly so. I think he probably is the most impactful player in this entire game because of how much Alabama is going to lean on him to make some plays throughout this football game. But uh, when it comes to the most important position... <clears throat> The most important position in this game outside of Jalen Milrow is that safety position for Alabama. You got Caleb Downs, Jalen Key, Malachi Moore, and a big reason for that, for Georgia to win this game, they're going to need to be multiple offensively, and them being multiple offensively starts with taking advantage of that safety group because they're going to do a lot of window dressing with jet sweeps across the formation. They're going to try and mess with the eyes of the second and third level of that defense. So staying disciplined is one part of it. Two, being able to fill in run support. Kirby Smart talks a lot about wanting to get to that second and third level of a defense for his running backs, being able to get downhill. That falls on the safeties. Being able to diagnose quickly, trigger quickly, tackle with effectiveness and and with a fair amount of security and insurance, like that's going to be crucial for Alabama. Okay? Other part of that, being able to play well in pass coverage is is enormous, but based on what Mike Bobo does, again, going back to the pre-snap movement and the shifts and the window dressing, Uh, they're going to do a lot schematically to try and throw Alabama off their game like we saw Texas do in week two. It's going to fall on these safeties to sort that out pre-snap during the the play. Like, it's going to fall a lot on these guys to be able to, I guess, uh, diagnose that. It's probably the right word to use there. Now, lastly, we know this with Georgia. They're going to lean pretty heavily on their tight ends. Brock Bowers, Oscar Delp. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Lawson Lucky get some snaps here. The matchup there is the safeties. Like for Caleb Downs, I understand he's a true freshman, freshman All-American for us here at On3. I think he's going to be one of the best of all time in Tuscaloosa when it's all said and done. You need him to be able to play like a fourth-year senior, like he has all year. Fourth-year senior, fourth-year player, senior, whatever you want to say. Need him to be able to be dialed into the nth degree, as with Malachi Moore, as with Jalen Key. Like that's what it's going to take, is those guys being on their P's and Q's, not being too overly impressed with the eye candy of Georgia and being able to tackle well in the run game, cover well in the pass game, especially against those tight ends because that's who they will be matched up with. Difficult task lining up against number 19, Brock Bowers, but if you want to win this football game, I think you have to be able to at least manage that matchup if you're Alabama. Now for Oregon and their Pac-12 title game, it's going to be a movie in Las Vegas now. I said it's, it's going to be a prize fight, just like we see a lot of the time when it comes to boxing and UFC in that city. Uh, this will be no different with Oregon and Washington. And I said this in an earlier segment during this live show. I want to make sure we say it again. Oregon controls their college football playoff destiny as a one-loss conference champ. They do. 
And Texas and Bama deserve a ton of credit for what they've done this year. I'm not saying either of those teams should be left out. I'm just saying you got to figure out which one of those teams you want to have in because Oregon deserves to be in, no question. And the reason why I say that is the college football playoff committee, every single Tuesday night, you know, they play the theme music. It's really tense. We got Reese Davis reading through those teams. And every single Tuesday night, Oregon is the best one loss team in the country. If you beat the number three team in the country and avenge your only loss of the season, I don't know how Oregon would be left out. No idea. It, it would not compute to me if Oregon beating the number three team in the country were to be left out. And this is not to throw shade at Texas, but I just want to you know talk about them because I think it's a good example. Texas plays a top 20 Oklahoma State team. Texas currently is still behind Oregon. Texas beating Oklahoma State, a lower ranked team than a Washington, would not somehow catapult Texas past Oregon. If the committee liked Texas more than Oregon right now, they would have already moved them past them because of that Alabama win. So the fact that we see Oregon ahead of Texas right now gives me a little bit of insurance that I know Oregon already is ahead of that team. But when it comes to Alabama, I understand if they beat Georgia, that whole conversation opens up. I'm just telling you, Oregon, you win, you're in, period, mic drop, the end, as we say on this show. So that's it for the Ducks when it comes to our, uh, our final thoughts on their Pac-12 matchup. Now, Florida State, they, uh, they're kind of the mystery team in this whole thing. By nature of it being a two-and-a-half-point spread against Louisville, and Florida State's kind of been on the ropes a few times. They've had to get off of it a few times when it comes to finding ways to win in the fourth quarter and you know having a great effort in the second half. And overtime, when we saw them against Clemson, I think there's a, I think there's a little bit of a narrative out there with Tate Rotemaker that I don't know if it's incorrect necessarily, but I do think it's incomplete because we have a pretty small sample size, and a lot of people saw that first start against Florida and are just defining what Tate Rotemaker is. And I'm not here to tell you it's wrong. I'm just saying, do we really want to find one player by his first start on the road in the Swamp rivalry setting with a team that's fighting to make bowl eligibility in Florida? Like, I would be a little bit slow to define what Tate Rotomaker is going to be as a starting quarterback at Florida State. So my prediction is, I think he's actually more dynamic down the field than people already believe he is. I think they're going to have to throw to beat Louisville. And I think they're going to want to throw to beat Louisville by nature of their best players being Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, Johnny Wilson, like getting into those freak shows on the outside and at the tight end position with Jaheim Bell. They're going to want to slash have to do that. And I think Rotomaker delivers. And that's why I think they do win that game over Louisville. So that's why we're watching that. And I think that's the, the shot we want to call. A lot, of, uh, a lot of jumping to conclusions based on one start. If we did that, Jalen Milrow wouldn't have been starting after the Texas game for the rest of time for Alabama and we all saw how that played out against USF and we saw what he did the rest of the season and why they're playing for the SEC title so I'm not saying Tate Rotomaker's Jalen Milrow I'm just saying I think we uh maybe let that bake a little bit longer before we pull it out of the oven and decide what our opinion is on Tate Rotomaker now last one I want to get to here you got Texas playing Oklahoma State and there's a lot made about Oklahoma State and Ollie Gordon and them being able to run the football against Texas and that kind of being the key battle and I'm just here to tell you what's been true about Texas the entirety of this season is what I believe will be true yet again on Saturday in Jerry World. Defending Texas is like playing that whack-a-mole game at the arcade, but the machine is malfunctioning. There is no possible way to be able to whack all the moles that Texas is playing with offensively. They have three individuals that have over 500 yards receiving on their roster. Jatavian Sanders, Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, all three of those cats, you can't give double coverage to. Just purely by nature of the arithmetic of the defense, there's no way to give the adequate number of attention to all those individuals. And so what I'm saying is it might be a thing where you whack the first mole in the first quarter. Maybe they kind of minimize Texas for the first half. But at some point in time, when that machine malfunctions, there's going to be somebody open at some point in time. There is not enough defenders to account for all the options that Quinn Ewers is going to have. And I think Quinn Ewers is going to be able to rise to the occasion as he has multiple times now throughout this season, the Alabama game being the most notable. I think they'll win that game. And I think a big reason why will be the pace they set offensively with their passing game. So that's our shot we're calling there. Excited to watch that one. Hey, it's conference title weekend. It's going to be a great weekend. Going to be uh, some hardware handed out. Going to make it tough on the committee, I would imagine. But at the end of the day, yes, there's going to be a lot of teams that win their conference, but the real winners, isn't it us as the college football public? I like to think so.
I like to think so. Uh, hey, let's check in here real quick with Nick Break. Nick, we got any uh, got any news across the board? You give me thumbs up or thumbs down if we got anything. All right, no news from Nick Break, so we're gonna keep it uh, business as usual here with what we had planned for our portal segment. Try and give you the most up to date intel as possible. Uh, before we got on the air here, Juice Wells, wide receiver for South Carolina, he he uh, it announced or it became public rather that he intends to enter the transfer portal. He had over 900 yards in 2022, dinged up a little bit this past season. You would imagine Spencer Rattler leaving for the NFL probably, you know, made his decision pretty clear for where he's going to go next. Where he could go, just first guess. I mean, Texas has success with transfer wide receivers with Adonai Mitchell this past offseason. You would expect Xavier Worthy to take a pretty hard look at the NFL. Maybe there's some production to be replaced. Quinn Ewers sounds like he's coming back 90% according to Bobby Burton of Inside Texas. He's a wide receiver one in the transfer portal. Okay, he is, I think, the equivalent of what Keon Coleman was to last year's portal cycle. He could be that for your team this upcoming portal cycle. He might be the best non-quarterback in the portal right now, in my humble opinion. So keep an eye on that. Staying in the wide receiver lane, and staying in the state of South Carolina, wide receiver from Clemson, Bo Collins, intends to answer the transfer portal. Uh, this is a guy from the West Coast, played at St. John Bosco in Southern California, 6'3", 210, pretty good speed from what I can tell. Uh, I'd keep an eye on the West Coast schools for him. Like, we saw DJ Uwe Ungalale leave Clemson for Oregon State and have success outside of that Clemson offense. Now, the offense changed from year to year, but I just think with Bo Collins, Maybe, just maybe, his skill set, we haven't seen his best ball is the way that it feels to me. He's a four-star kid out of high school. Um, again, going back to the West Coast schools, you could see Oregon making sense. Uh, you could see USC making sense. We know Lincoln Riley is a, a savage in the transfer portal. Washington, they're going to lose. Roma Dunze likely to the NFL, you would have to believe, by nature of how high his stock is. Um, Bo Collins could be someone to watch here for a lot of those now Pac-12 schools, but eventually, I guess, they'll be big, big, uh, big 10 schools. Going to take a while to get used to that. Bo Collins, the bottom line, I think if he's in the right spot, we see this a lot in the transfer portal. Sometimes it's not so much the player as much as it is the system and the position they're in. In the right system, I think he could blow up. So keep an eye on Bo Collins. I think he's a guy to watch here in this portal cycle. Uh, Grayson McCall, a, uh, a fan favorite when it comes to the transfer portal. Dipped his toe in last year. Said, you know what? Nah, I want to go back to Coastal Carolina, run that back. He's now in there as a grad transfer. This is a dual threat quarterback, played a lot of football. Not once, but twice, but three times Sunbelt Player of the Year. There was a lot of juice around him going to Auburn last year. From the way that it sounded, it was essentially like, hey, Auburn's got their guy. It's going to be Grayson McCall. Things kind of fell apart from an administrative or academic standpoint. He has over 10,000 career pass yards. Going back to the experience level that you get with A. Grayson McCall. Uh, some schools that I'm watching here, I would, uh, I'd be curious to see what happens with Arkansas should K.J. Jefferson decide he wants to hit the portal. And uh, with Mississippi State, both those schools, quarterback-friendly systems, Bobby Petrino now running the show at Arkansas. If, if they need a quarterback, you would think that a guy like Grayson McCall could maybe plug and play there pretty seamlessly. Uh, Mississippi State, they're going to throw the ball around the yard. Going to go with tempo. Uh, Jeff Levy and what he did with Dylan Gabriel. I think Grayson McCall, just from a ability standpoint, is a similar player with like a good arm, can make the throws I think you need him to make. Um, Grayson McCall, a little bit bigger in stature than Dylan Gabriel, but still has that dual threat ability. I would like to see him in that offense as well. And also, if you're going to the SEC, if you're Grayson McCall, that probably helps your prospects for the professional level. Now, Auburn is still a school I would watch here as well. We talked about it earlier in the live show. Riley Leonard is in the transfer portal. You would expect if Auburn can't land a guy like Riley Leonard, Grayson McCall could be the guy they go after. We'll see how that shakes out. But Grayson McCall will be someone we watch, obviously. Uh, we talked about it earlier in the live show. Like I said, I want to mention Riley Leonard really quickly for this segment regardless. Three schools we're watching. Notre Dame getting the most buzz. Proof of concept with the transfer portal quarterback going in there and being successful. Uh, a system that is pro style that would help him probably audition for the NFL in a more you know, specific fashion than what he was doing at Duke. Now, Auburn, like I just said for Grayson McCall, the same reason it makes sense for Riley Leonard, the skill set that he has, and it being in the SEC could also be attractive to scouts. Um, with Riley Leonard being a guy who is from the state of Alabama, 
Maybe he wants to stay home. Family and the friends get to see him play his last season of collegiate football. Life could be good. You're playing at Auburn. Also, Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze, as we mentioned, pretty strong record with, with quarterbacks. Philip Montgomery, of course, working with guys like Case Keenum, RG3, Bryce Petty. We go down the line here. They've had success at the quarterback position, and Riley Leonard could be that next guy. I said this in our segment, so I want I don't want to repeat ourselves too much here, but to me, he is this portal's version of Sam Hartman in terms of what kind of impact he could have on your team. And he could be this version's or, or this portal's version of Sam Hartman by nature of him going to Notre Dame if he does do that. So we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, it's portal season, so we'll keep on rolling here. Now we had a, uh, to my knowledge at least, the first domino fall when it comes to the transfer portal quarterback market. Max Johnson was at AM, was also at LSU, He's played four seasons of college football, taking his talents to North Carolina. So if you're a Tar Heel fan, you have more than likely the successor of a one Drake May. And like I said, very experienced, um, playing at two SEC schools. I believe he threw north of 40 touchdowns. Like, guys played some football now, okay? He's, he's seen some things. I don't think you'll, you'll see a spot where he's feeling overwhelmed or like the, the stage is too big for him. Playing in College Station, playing at LSU, both probably checked that box for him. A uh, big reason why he chose North Carolina he cited Chip Lindsey, the offensive coordinator there, and North Carolina's overall success with NFL quarterbacks. With Drake May probably going to be second quarterback taken behind Caleb Williams. That's probably just uh, you know a Pepsi or, or Coke taste test between which of those guys you want to roll with. I don't think you're going wrong either way. And then uh, Sam Howe, previously also being in North Carolina. So there, there's, a, there's a strong little pipeline here from North Carolina with the NFL quarterbacks. Is Max Johnson the next, that next one? I'm excited to see. So we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, that's kind of where we stand right now for the portal. Uh, MJ Morris also, before we got on air here, sounds like by nature of him taking a red shirt for the rest of the season at NC State, he's in uh, either in tens or already in the portal. By the time you see this, he may already be in the portal. So MJ Morris, a guy to watch as well when it comes to uh, that whole quarterback market. All right, now, let's, uh, let's keep a good thing going here. Let's not stop the party. Party rolls on, as it always does. Uh, we're going to get to your questions here in a matter of 60 seconds. So I'm going to do an ad read. During that 60-second period, get your questions in. Keeper of the Q, Nick Break, about to join us here in a few short moments. All right. The Hard Count is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Now, we're closing in on the last couple of games of the college football season. You got conference championship week. You got bowl games. And you got the college football playoff. And the natty, and then we're counting down the days till next season. The bottom line is, as something decreases in quantity, the value increases. The value of games right now, they're like gold to us, okay? As college football fans, being at the game, it's, it's an experience that you can't necessarily put words to. So game time is helping us get us to the game and be able to experience the, the final college football I mean, the, 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 the final drops of the college football season that are pure gold. Game time's helping us do that, okay? They have the best seats for the best prices, guaranteed. They help, they're helping you save money by nature of if you are able to find a seat in the same section or row for less than what you paid for, game time credits you 110% of the difference. Yes, they are for the people. They are by the people in that sense. Also worth noting... As we finish up college football season, you don't got to delete the Game Time app. Keep that Game Time app on your phone because they're great for other sporting events, great for concerts, great for comedy shows. Whatever you want to get to, Game Time is the best way to do it. You can buy tickets in two taps and know where you're going to sit too by seeing the view of your seat from the app. Again, Game Time has got it all. So snag tickets without the stress, can purchase a ticket right up to the day of the game, morning of the game with two taps. Again, so download the Game Time app. Create an account. This is important now. Very, very critical. Use code HARDCOUNT for $20 off your first purchase. $100 ticket, no problem. First time using it, redeem code HARDCOUNT, $20 down, boom. We're out of the triple digits range for those tickets for your college football game of your choice. So, again, redeem code HARDCOUNT at first purchase. H-A-R-D-C-O-U-N-T. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code HARDCOUNT for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest prices guaranteed. All right, bringing on the keeper of the queue. The people's favorite producer. 
heavy lifter extraordinaire, Nick Brake. Nick, what's going on, baby? How we doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, this first question today coming, well, now I've got to find it. Uh, it's coming from David Erickson. It says, what portal quarterback do you think could land at Nebraska? Ooh, you know what? I don't know that they're going to be in the market for a portal quarterback. Chubba Purdy, I thought, finished the year really strong. I'd let Chubba cook a little bit. And, and Matt Rule talked about this yesterday when it comes to the portal market. He's like, hey, let's be clear now. Quarterback in the portal is going for north of a of million dollars. So just so we're all on the same page here, that's going to cost a little bit of something extra is what I would imagine he's saying between the lines there. Um, I don't think they need to go to the portal for a quarterback, Nick. I really don't. I think they're going to be okay going with just Chubba Purdy, letting him cook. They went the portal route last year with Jeff Sims. I think it's worth just having a guy that you already have in your system and, and letting him kind of lead winter conditioning and be someone they're familiar with. Like It's different than having to win over the team than already have the team at your back. And I think Chubba Purdy has at least the, the potential to have the team at his back. And he's a guy that I would watch there to be, uh, to be the starter. So will they be in the portal market? Maybe they take a look, but I think they're good enough to just roll with Chubba Purdy, Nick. Okay. Um, I told everyone to spam your questions, and no one has done so more than Gavin. So I'll go. get to his question next. Uh, JD, uh, Jace McClellan has missed two practices this week. How does that affect Bama's run game if he can't play or if he's limited? So I think Jason McClellan, obviously it's a big loss by nature of him you know, being your guy for the duration of this season. If he can't go, that would be the case. But it, if he can't go, I think you're still dependent on Jalen Milrow to run the football for you and kind of be your explosive play guy. Not to downplay Jason McClellan's impact, I think it would be a thing where you kind of lose that compliment that would be as, as effective as a Jason McClellan was. Now, the stable's still deep at Bama. Don't get it twisted. They, they still got some good backs there, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be overly concerned to the degree where I think it changes the outcome of the game. Has an impact for sure, but again, I think Jalen Moto is still the person who holds the palm of the game in, in his hand for for the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide this weekend. Okay. Um, this next question coming from Jared Stidham, who says, "Yes, I am in fact Jared Stidham's evil twin." There we go. Uh, he says, "What needs to happen for both Oregon?" And Washington to make the college football playoffs, JD. Man, I J don't know. Jared brought the juice yesterday with his uh, his playoff scenario, and I yeah. think he was I think he was pretty close with. Uh, let me see if I can remember it accurately. So Oklahoma State has to beat Texas, and this is a dangerous game. Doing this on air, trying to figure it out all uh, all uh, verbally. Oklahoma State has to beat Texas. The Big 12 is out of it. I think Iowa. Probably, I don't know if Iowa has to win because they probably lock up a spot either way. Does Michigan, if, if they can uh, have some dominoes fall their way with Texas losing. I think Florida State probably has to lose. So if Oklahoma State wins and Louisville wins, to me, that opens up two spots. The winner of the Pac-12 title game is already in. I'm trying to make sure there's nothing I'm missing here, Nick. To me, that sounds like the best way to go about it. And if you had Georgia win too, that probably helps you so you don't have the whole you know one loss Georgia in there. I think... I think if, if you have Georgia win, Michigan win, Oklahoma State win, and Louisville win, and that then you have, and that, you have that would happen. Oregon win, one loss Close. Washington. Field, field goal. If they if won by a field yeah. goal. If Washington gets beat by a couple of scores, they're done still. But. Yeah, I test is crucial. That actually is possible. I okay. think that's possible. I, I think really it's do. also possible that Alabama – no, Alabama and Georgia can't both make it, I don't think. Because um, Alabama wouldn't, there wouldn't be a lot of spots. But yeah, I think that's actually possible. Cool, that's awesome. That's, that's where I sit with that. But yeah, Alabama would scare you if it's a thing where Alabama wins the, or sorry, Georgia would scare you if it's a thing where Alabama walks off by three points, Washington gets throttled by Oregon, and then you have a one-loss Bama sitting there, a one-loss Georgia sitting there, who's a non-conference mm -hmm. champ with their resume. So that that could get sticky. Georgia win, Michigan win. What we just unpacked there, I think, is a is a it's a pretty fair analysis. What do you think, Nick? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't think that was possible when I first asked it, but yeah, that could happen. Anything, OG Gary. Anything is possible, huh? There, no, I didn't at first. No, no, I said anything is possible. Anything. I guess anything can Like be Kevin Garnett says. Yeah, exactly. The star of Uncut, uncut Gems. Mm. Um, star of Uncut Gems. That's a deep cut by you right there. It is. That's um, a good one. Great movie. Um, OG Gary. There are three guarantees in life, death, taxes, and that OG Gary is way ahead in plan in thinking about college football because he's asking about his thoughts on the early conference championships, which we've done before with OG Gary, but this is this is OG Gary's, and I like this. 
ACC Clemson, SEC LSU, 12, the Big 12 will be Utah. I think that's going to happen. Uh, in the bi- Listen to this. Big 10, Oregon or USC, national champions, the LSU. He's got he's an LSU in and a Utah fan, so I think that might be skewing it a little bit, Jake. Oh, I like what, the what thought process. React to, to OG Carey's picks. They're pretty good. Couple uh couple of questions I would have. What happened to Georgia? Uh what happened to Carson Beck? Did Carson Beck come back? Did he go to the NFL? Because with a Jaden Danielless LSU and the way that defense looked this year, I have concerns about LSU personally. I like the Utah pick out of the Big Twelve. Think that makes sense. With the Big Ten I like Oregon. USC, man, I I don't know what's going on with USC defensively. We'll see what happens whenever they hire their DC. Um, I'm also not 100% sure about who's playing quarterback for them after Caleb Williams leaves. You know, do they test the, the portal waters and try and get another portal quarterback? There's a couple of questions I have about USC. Uh, Michigan, I don't expect to fall off tremendously. We'll see what happens with Jim Harbaugh. Ohio State will be out for blood. So the Big Ten's pretty murky. Um ACC is taking Clemson. That's curious to me. We'll see what happens with this portal cycle with uh, Florida State and if they're in the in the running. Clemson will be out for blood, though. Clemson yeah. will be... Uh, Tyler from Spartanburg was probably the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of sense of urgency. If they need it anymore, they have yeah. all of that and then some. I have concerns about Clemson, Nick. I'm hearing a sigh from you. It feels like feels like you're, you're out on Clemson. True, well, untrue. I'm always out on Clemson. Okay. Um, That's fair. You have every right to be out on Clemson. Absolutely. But I don't know. I think the ACC could be wide open next year. Um, it very, yeah, it very well could be. It very well could be. Well, this is a good question from Nick H. He says, J.D., could Alabama be their own downfall due to the gradual decrease in discipline over the years? Penalties and toner, turnovers are each way up, while Georgia has gradually improved on those two things. So he's not wrong here when it comes to those penalties, at least. Um, at least last season, pass interference calls were just left and right for the Crimson Tide. It's tough to say it's their downfall because I think you got to treat each team differently. When you see a trend of something, we probably need to dig a little bit deeper into that. Because um, I don't think Saban's lost his fastball. I don't think that Alabama is somehow on this massive decline. I think Georgia, just quite frankly, has been tremendous in all the you know areas need to be tremendous in with acquiring talent and with having the, the right coordinators in place and just kind of reloading and rebooting that machine every single offseason so I think you probably give more credit to Georgia than you take away from Bama um, to me Bama's still Bama Saban's still Saban are they reeling off national titles the way they were a couple of years ago no but I still think that they're one of those formidable forces in college football and uh, it's going to take a lot for us to ever count them out on this show I'll just I'll just say that I think they are I mean, just the, the operation that Saban puts in place every single year. The coordinators change, the personnel changes, but what do they do? They recruit really well, and they somehow, some way, get all those coordinators on the same page for like a year and a half, two years, three years at the most, and uh, they win a lot of football games. So as long as there's talent in Tuscaloosa, I think they're in good shape, and they're going to be talent in Tuscaloosa for a while based on their uh, recruiting classes. Um, JD, this next question is from Joshua Hinkle. Uh, say you're a fan base of an SEC program that doesn't perform well, but you want to see them make the playoff. Hmm. So let's just put yourself in the perspective, maybe a Kentucky, maybe a even a Vanderbilt. W- would we have a better shot? And those are ones that I came up with. It could be different. Would you have a better shot of dropping down a group of five to one of those schools and winning out, or should you stick it out in the SEC? Obviously, this is hypothetical, J.D. Nick, I'm not going to lie to you. My attention was taken there. I want to answer that question, but on top of that, DJU, Did it just Uwe Angolale, plans, plans to enter the transfer portal. Okay, we'll get to that. Plans to enter the transfer portal. So if you don't mind repeating his question really quick, I'll get to that, and, uh, and then we'll jump into the segment. How's that sound? Yeah, you want to go, you want to go uh, with DJ first? Um, you know what? Let's answer Josh's question. Let's answer Josh's question. Okay. Sounds good. Josh said this. Say you're a fan base of an SEC program that doesn't perform well, but you want them to, to make the playoffs. Would you have a better shot of dropping down into a group of five, such as, you know, Sunbelt or something like that, or would you just have to suck it up and hope for a good year? I think if you suck it up and go for a good year, like that's a great way to go about it. I mean, dropping down into a different conference, in my mind, actually like makes the window smaller to making the college football playoff because there's going to be you know that 12-team that deal going on, so there'll be a lot of at-large bids up in the air. Winning the SEC, obviously, is more difficult than winning the Sun Belt. But I think winning the Sun Belt 
or excuse me, making the playoff if you don't win the Sun Belt becomes nearly impossible from where I'm sitting. So making the college football playoff and winning that conference, it's still tough to win a conference. I mean, only one team does it every single year within the Sun Belt. So in that way, I think your odds just statistically are better to try and make the college football playoff being in the SEC. So that's how we feel about that. Um, hey, Nick, this list lower third, I believe it says he's entered. So let's not let's not throw that up there. Let's go into post here and we'll get a different lower third for us that says uh, plans to enter. So we can just riff on uh, some DJU right now. Sound good? Yeah, I'm waiting for you, man. Let's tell you, that's what, that's what I love. That's what I love to hear. All right. Oregon State's DJ Ui Ungalale is planning to enter the transfer portal. Now, to be clear, it is also possible that he just declares to the NFL draft and we don't see him play any more college football. But DJ Ui Ungalale, this isn't enormously surprising because of Jonathan Smith, his head coach, pivoting to Michigan State. And when Jonathan Smith left, you saw DJ Uyunglele, DJ Uyunglele rather, uh, tweet out the, the emoji like, dang, all right, what are we going to do now? And so with him pivoting, one ton of experience is what you're getting if, wherever he ends up going. Like a quarterback who is, I think, he's, I think he's probably proven that he wasn't the only problem at Clemson. Now his Clemson days, did they go how he wanted them to go or expected them to go? No, but again, I think you can kind of point to what he's done at Oregon State and the way that he played this season under that pro-style system and say, okay, that's still a quarterback that can help us regardless of what we thought happened at Oregon, or at, uh, excuse me, at Clemson. So some potential spots that he could end up landing at, Pete Nakos, fresh here at On3, is just crushing all the portal coverage. So one, follow the On3 social accounts. Two, follow Pete Nakos because he's going to keep you dialed in for all things Portal as well. Also, subscribe to the channel right here. We'll keep you in the know for all things Transfer Portal as well on top of that. But some places that Pete Nakos feels good about or some things that he's maybe keeping an eye on for DJ Uyunglele. A couple of schools here. Florida State is a school that has been known to be Transfer Portal U, quite honestly, the last couple of seasons, or at least one of them. And they have a, a proof of concept there. Jordan Travis was actually a Transfer Portal quarterback from Louisville and now is a, a Florida State living legend, if you will. Um, they also have had success with other players outside of the quarterback position. But like, if there's somewhere you got to feel good about if you're a transfer portal player, being able to hit the ground running, be developed, have success at a new spot, Florida State seems like there's nothing really to look too deeply into besides maybe where you stack up next to Tate Rotomaker and how they feel about him in that, in that quarterback room. So Florida State could make a lot of sense. Also worth noting, they play Clemson next year in Tallahassee. Just chew on that for a little bit. Uh, Oregon was the school that comes to mind probably the first when you talk about DJ Uyunglele. And yes, he'd stay in the state of Oregon. Yes, he's a West Coast guy. But his brother, Mateo Uyunglele, plays for Oregon currently. Family, obviously, extremely important for DJ by nature of how he posts on his social accounts. And Oregon is going to need a quarterback next year. You'd have to believe Bo Nix has gone to the NFL, and you'd have to believe that DJ Uyunglele maybe steps in there in that quarterback-friendly offense under Will Stein and goes out there and just kind of deals the ball around the yard and shows off the arm a little bit more. Did the pro-style thing at Oregon State, go to a quarterback-friendly system, put up great numbers, high completion percentage, maybe helps his NFL hopes if he doesn't declare this year. Now, one more school getting thrown in there from Pete Nakos is Louisville. And Louisville is curious here, kind of that dark horse, because I think Jeff Brom and what he's done with quarterbacks over the past couple of seasons makes them attractive his offense in itself and the way it's been successful when he was at Purdue and now the way that he's done great things at Louisville with him playing for the ACC championship this year Louisville would make a lot of sense as well if I had to just pick one that I would go to if I were DJ Uyunglele I think Oregon would be the best case scenario play with your brother be in the Big Ten be able to still be on the West Coast close-ish to family be exactly close to family if you're in that locker room with your younger brother and being able to play in a quarterback friendly system where you can make a quick decision, put up good numbers, impress NFL scouts that way, I would really like Oregon for him personally. So I'm keeping an eye on all three of those schools. Again, the NFL is not out of question for him if he were to decide to declare, still on the table for him. But those three schools are getting thrown around the most right now for DJU. And I cannot wait to see where he ends up at. Because somebody's going to get a quarterback that I think is, uh, that there's that snapshot living with people of what he did at Clemson. Y'all, again, at Clemson, he was not the problem. Was he a part of the solution? Hard to say. I don't think he was the only problem, and this past season should serve as, I think, uh, a pretty good example and a pretty good, um, pretty good feeling as to what he was there and what he's done now at Oregon State. So, DJ Uyunglele, plans to enter the transfer portal. Big-time news across the college football landscape. 
we'll see where he ends up. All right, Nick, how about that, huh? That's a, that's a good way to, to end the show. What do you say? Yeah, hey, shout out to Pete Nakos for breaking that as well. He's crushing um, it, man. That, that He's was... crushing it. He, he, is, uh, he is a must-follow. He is a mm -hmm. must-follow when it comes to your social experience on these platforms, you know? Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Well, hey, we appreciate y'all. We got a lot to unpack here. Nick, you're the man. I appreciate you making, uh, making all that happen here. Mm -hmm. We'll see you Sunday. Like I said, a lot to unpack on Sunday, and we'll, we'll get after it. Yep. All righty. Hey, we appreciate y'all being tuned in. We appreciate y'all being subscribed. If you haven't yet subscribed to the channel, do so on your way out. We'll have a ton of content coming for you on Saturday after the SEC title game, on Sunday morning after all the dust has settled on the college football playoff and on the college football conference title games this past weekend, or this upcoming weekend. It'll be the past weekend. You hear what I'm saying here? A lot going on in the college football world. You hear me talking in a little bit of a scrambled tone because there's so many plates that are spinning right now from transfer portal, signing days around the corner. Selection Sunday is a matter of days away. Don't miss anything. Make sure you're subscribed right here. Don't miss a show when it comes to the hard count. I'm J.D. Pakel, Nick Brake crushing on the ones and twos. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.